This is Endourology Sound Bites, a new podcast series from the publisher of the Journal of Endourology and Video Urology, in cooperation with the Endourological Society. This series is brought to you by Richard Wolf, a global leader in endoscopy since 1906. Richard Wolf delivers solutions that are improving patient outcomes and shaping the future of minimally invasive surgery. For more information, please visit richardwolfusa.com. Hello, this is Brian Metlaga, Associate Director of Education for the Endourological Society, and I would like to welcome you to this installment of the Richard Wolf-sponsored podcast series, Endourology Soundbites. In this episode, we will be joining Dr. Craig Rogers from Henry Ford Hospital, who will share his insights into how to treat both challenging renal tumors and the various surgical approaches that they require. We hope you enjoy. I would like to thank Richard Wolf and the Endourologic Society for the opportunity to participate in this podcast today. I plan to talk about how to approach challenging kidney tumors and patients. So there are challenges with tumors themselves. For example, you can have tumors that are endophytic, that are central in the kidney, that are very large, that are located near critical structures like pylor vessels and collecting system. But there can also be challenges that we face with patients and their comorbidities, very obese patients, patients with prior abdominal surgery, patients with chronic kidney disease, and other comorbidities that might make surgery higher risk for them. So we'll go over different scenarios and a few cases in the time that we have. So first, just to talk about kind of where we've come in time. So one paper that came out recently that I really enjoyed was from the Mayo Clinic. This was in just a few years ago that looked at trends of kidney surgery, contemporary treatment trends for small renal masses. And it looked at laparoscopic and open approaches, both for radical and partial nephrectomy. And it showed from 2010 to 2011 that there's been a steady increase in minimally invasive approaches for partial nephrectomy. And at the same time, there's been a decrease in use of radical nephrectomy, whether that's open or laparoscopic approaches. So the take on that was that it does appear that there's been over an 80% increase in robotic partial nephrectomy, and that may be one of the drivers for increased utilization of partial nephrectomy overall. The paper did point out also that this was in Journal of Urology that in 2019. It did point out that there may be room for improvement for other modalities such as active surveillance, which we'll talk about today. But I'm encouraged that we're doing less of removing of the entire kidney. And some of those kidneys that are being removed may have benign disease. So we want to be smarter in how we diagnose patients, how we offer approaches, so we can minimize unnecessary treatment for patients. I'll go through some of the tips and tricks for the surgical approach for complex tumors. Now, in my experience, I found that robotic-assisted approaches do facilitate more complex cases, so most of my comments will focus on robotics. First is just exposure and maximizing ports. So when the stakes are higher with a complex tumor, I generally put more ports in extra assistant port if necessary, using the fourth arm of the robot to allow extra traction and exposure. I go through a checklist before we go on clamp, and I'll talk about what that checklist is. Using tools such as robotic bulldogs, robotic ultrasound, robotic firefly, so fluorescent imaging to help outline uh, the vascularity of the tumor for selective clamping. 
And then you tailor the resection of the tumor to the tumor features. For example, if it's an endophytic tumor, you're going to cut wider and deeper. If it's a cystic or like a T1B tumor where it's going to involve the sinus fat, you're going to want a wider margin. You want to avoid traction to the cystic tumors to avoid spillage. If it's a hyalur tumor, oftentimes if it's abutting the vessels, you don't have the option to do a deep margin there. So you may have to dissect along the vessels or a sinus plane to locate where the tumor is. And for that portion of it, nucleoresection may be necessary for the critical structure and then going wider when they're away. And then there are several techniques to minimize ischemia when there are patients where that is more critical, such as chronic kidney disease. So, for example, demand ischemia, which means you start cutting the tumor out and then before you clamp, and then as you begin to lose exposure with bleeding, then you clamp. So it may save you a few minutes of clamp time on the front end. There's selective clamping where you just clamp the vessel, uh, the branch that goes to the tumor. Fluorescence imaging can be helpful in this technique, but that way you still perfuse a portion of the kidney throughout the resection. There's early unclamping where you cut the tumor out, you sew the deep layer of the kidney, which would involve collecting system and vessels that have been cut during the resection. And once you've sewn that deep sort of medullary layer, then you come off clamp. And then there may still be some bleeding, but that bleeding can be sewn while you're off clamp. And I do like that technique because I'm less likely to get a bleed after I've sewn the outer collecting system that's then harder to get to if I've already closed the kidney down. And then there are techniques of off clamp where you don't clamp the kidney at all. That's going to come at a price, though, of visualization. And we've seen the literature shows a higher transfusion rate, but pure off clamp. And then there are techniques where you can cool the kidney. Our institution and the Cleveland Clinic have described cooling just like you would do with an open approach, but that can now be done through a minimally invasive approach. Before, with more complex tumors, it's important to be prepared. Before we go and clamp, we have a checklist that's hung on our wall and we will stop the surgery sort of like a second time out and we will visually confirm that all the sutures are available and made correctly. We make sure that the trocars are all in. Sometimes the trocars can back out of the fascia during the case. We make sure that all our robotic instruments, our clamps, everything we're going to need for going on clamp is available. It's a good time to clean your camera, your instruments, make sure you've got adequate insufflation, adequate hydration of the patient. And that's a good time to make sure that no one's leaving on break, that everyone that's in that room knows where all the equipment is and what the steps are. And then there are many technique papers and videos out there about how to cut the tumor out, sew it back together. I won't go in depth in the actual technique of the robotic partial nephrectomy, other than there are various techniques of, for example, after the tumor is cut out, when you sew it back together, do you do a two-layer closure, a one-layer closure? Do you sew it with barb suture, monocryl, vicryl, bolster, no bolster? I tend to, for efficiency now, do more of a running closure with barb suture in the inner layer, no bolster, early on clamping. But knowing these different techniques is very important to be able to adapt to the different challenging scenarios you're faced with patients. So some hyalur tumors may not facilitate a running closure. You may have to do an interrupted for that. If there's no way to put deep sutures in, if you're right on major vessels, that may be the rare time where I will use a bolster just for a little more compressive hemostasis. So we discussed different tools, techniques, 
I didn't go in through the fluorescence imaging with the selective clamping, but if there's a case where I see a branch going right to a lower pole vessel, I'll clamp that vessel and then use fluorescence imaging to make sure that the portion of the kidney with the tumor is dark and the rest of the kidney is perfused well. You can also use Doppler mode on your intraoperative ultrasound, which I think is critical for these tumors, both to find the tumor and you can also assess vascularity, that there's no deep perfusion that may be missed with a superficial perfusion assessment of selective clamping with fluorescent imaging. So I talked about these different techniques and off-clamp as well. How often are these actually used in the challenging tumors? So we looked at it in a large database with 11 centers internationally of about 1,600 patients undergoing robotic partial nephrectomy. And these were skilled surgeons with a lot of experience. And we specifically looked at patients with more complex tumors, which we defined as a nephrometry score greater than or equal to 7. So out of that, we had 721 patients, and 75% of those patients underwent complete renal artery clamping. So they weren't using sort of the fancier techniques, the minimal clamping techniques of early unclamping, selective clamp or off-clamp. In 25% of patients, there were minimal clamping techniques used, early unclamping, selective clamping, off-clamp. Now, the thing was that even in the total clamping in the 75% of patients, the mean warm ischemia time was less than 22 minutes. So these experienced surgeons, they would shut the kidney down, but they would do it for a short period of time for better exposure. But when stakes are higher, again, with patients with chronic kidney disease, or if you expect a prolonged clamp time with, let's say, multiple tumors, that's where these minimal clamp techniques can be a useful tool in your toolbox. Interestingly, in this paper that was in the Journal of Endourology, this was in 2017, there wasn't any increase in minimal clamping techniques, even with chronic kidney disease or solitary kidneys. So it looked like having a short period of ischemia trumped having no ischemia at all. So it was mainly just keeping ischemia time low when it really mattered. I mean, obviously, you want to keep it low all the time, but when the stakes are really high, you really need to consider these techniques. And then we've done cooling techniques for these challenging cases where we'll use ice saline, we'll use a sigmoidoscope with ice slush that can go through a trocar, you can use a, a mini gel point to bring that in. The Cleveland Clinics describe putting a trocar directly over the kidney and using 20cc syringes where you cut the tip off and push that, or 10 or 20 and push the ice slush through that way. I don't use that routinely, but it is an option just to show that you can do the same things that you could do otherwise open. So we can talk through just a case and the time remaining. So let's say we have an older patient. He's got a four and a half centimeter mass. He's got several comorbidities, hypertension. He's had another malignancy in the past and remotely at thyroid cancer. GFR is in the 60s, no proteinuria. You know, how would we approach that patient if he has a more central tumor abutting the renal vessels where there is a possibility that surgery could either, if he has complications such as a bleed or a urine leak, he may not have the reserve to tolerate that well. There's a possibility that what if this is a benign tumor and he ends up losing his kidney? So what are some things that we can do to you know, help be more sure of ourselves? 
So there is the option for renal mass biopsy. And, you know, we're seeing more utilization of renal mass biopsy in the state of Michigan. We're part of a quality improvement collaborative called MUSIC, which is mainly focused on prostate, but has more also included kidney cancer and looking at small renal masses. And we found that looking at over 1,400 patients in the state of Michigan, initial management was actually observation in almost half those patients with renal masses less than 7 centimeters. 16% of patients got a biopsy, and those patients that got a biopsy, it helped reduce the rate of benign treatment from 13% to 5%. And this has been accepted for publication. So we're very excited that there are opportunities for quality improvement to get more information, both by biopsy, which actually in my experience, we're now doing that in some patients as an office-based procedure. This has been described by Dr. Landman's group and others of office-based renal mass biopsy for patients with advanced tumors like T2 or above, we offer clinical trials such as the PROSPER trial, which for those patients on trial require a biopsy. Those are very amenable to being done in the office by the urologist. In addition to biopsy, there are techniques that involve advanced imaging, such as the technetium sestamibi spec CT. So this sestamibi imaging can be a way to help diagnose patients with tumors that are either benign oncocytoma or that might be more indolent tumors such as a chromophobe renal cell carcinoma, both of which will light up on sestamibi spec. So that's been a very useful modality for us for these patients that are not necessarily the challenging tumors, but just the more challenging patients where you have a decision that has to be made as to not just what technique to use, but whether surgery is the right thing for them, whether you're going to do active surveillance. Should you get a biopsy? Should you get a sestamibi scan to get more information? Should the patient have a blasin? Should a patient have a radical nephrectomy? I think from a quality standpoint, these are some of the more challenging decisions that we have to make when the stakes are higher. We know with obese patients, this is feasible, especially with a robotic technique. It makes this easier, but you are dealing with more fat. Patients with prior abdominal surgery or posterior tumors, retroperitoneal techniques have been well described to approach these tumors for a partial nephrectomy. But for the patients that are older, that are sicker, that have comorbidities, that's when we need to consider these techniques of biopsy, advanced imaging, at least make sure that we're offering all modalities available, whether it be partial nephrectomy, ablation, or even nephrectomy. I mean, the AUA has made it clear that there are certain patients that may not be amenable to a partial nephrectomy. So when would we consider that for patients where, for a patient where we expect that where they have a normal contralateral kidney, where it would be a challenging partial, even an expert hand? And if we expect that the GFR will be over 45 when we're done with the surgery, the AUA guidelines would support considering or offering an nephrectomy in select patients. But I think our ability to do a partial nephrectomy has greatly expanded with the technology. And for most patients with small renal masses, we can offer them a minimally invasive nephron-sparing approach. So I think we do have room for improvement, though, in older patients with comorbidities and smaller tumors where we can safely do initial surveillance with the option to pull the trigger for intervention later. You know, I've tried to discuss different thoughts that I go through when I see patients with tumors and patients with comorbidities that make, would make a surgical approach more challenging in how I counsel them. I hope you found this podcast useful, and I want to thank you all for your time.